Hey, my name is Lauren Frieder, and my husband Drew and I are lead pastors at Lift Church. We are on the eastern shore of Maryland. We want to thank you so much for joining us today, and we are believing that you will get a lift of encouragement. We're going to get into uh, the Chosen series part two. How many of y'all been watching the Chosen series or have watched it and really enjoy it? Let me see your hand real quick. There's a number of people around the place who have been sharing with me. I'm so excited about the Chosen series. I've watched it online. I've been interested in it. In fact, I wanted to make sure um, I, some have texted me to say, is this biblically accurate or not? And I love those types of questions. And um, after my wife and I watched it, we got to a point where we, we said, you know what? I love how they're being um, biblical yet imaginative is the way I describe it um, in between the lines of Scripture. And um, so I have found that they have not contradicted Scripture, but they have uh, taken liberties to color in the lines. For example, like I, I would have never expected Matthew... Um, the way they portrayed portrayed Matthew to be in the um, the chosen series, he's a tax collector. If you're watching it along with us, he's a tax collector, and we know he's a tax collector. But it never like occurred to me that like, of course, the Jewish culture would have ostracized him because he's taken their money and he's given it to the heathen Romans, and so he would be a hated person among his people. And yet the Romans wouldn't exactly like him either because he's a Jew. And so that's what a, a Matthew, a tax collector, would be. So isn't it quite interesting that the producer said he himself is on the Asperger scale? And so he said, I thought it was logical to put, uh, portray him on an Asperger scale because he would be someone who may not have had a, a ton of friends amongst his own people and yet uh, would not care that the Romans would not particularly like him. And I thought that was imaginative. Now, there's nothing in the Bible that says that. And there's no confirmation of that, but we do know he's a tax collector, and we do know he would have been hated by his peers and hated by his Roman government. That's just what that position, it was loathed. And so I, I like, there's, a, there's an episode coming with Matthew, the tax collector. And if you're like, hey, what are you talking about, Pastor Drew, about the chosen? Then I want to tell you there's a free app of a free um, uh, TV series that they produce that's not on cable networks, but it's on YouTube, and it's on the app called The Chosen. And we decided to do a series for eight weeks for the um, eight episodes there are, uh, tracking along with it, and um, we're going to explain some of the things that we're seeing as we try to journey together alongside Jesus Christ. Now, one more thing to throw out there. My, my do oldest daughter came and asked the uh, uh, a wise question beyond her years as we were just hanging out me Lauren and I after we put the two youngest to bed and she looked at uh, us one day and she said why are we playing the chosen if scripture has said a few times that we should not add any words to scripture lest there might be death and I was like whoa this is this is a very wise smart question that you're asking and um, well now my my 12 year old girl is now 18 and so anyway um, and and so I love that this series is causing her to look at scripture and to see what's there or not and that's a that's a very good point revelation says it as well as multiple books it says do not add any words to scripture lest there be punishment and I explained to my daughter that there's a very different thing of describing what could have been so that we can try to 
get back on the streets of Jerusalem with Jesus and kind of look around and see the scenery and understand the cultural dynamics and the socioeconomic dynamics. There's a very different thing of describing it and imagining it versus adding doctrine or new teaching to it. I, I said it would kind of be like this. Um, we, we had just bought that game, Guess Who? How many of y'all played Guess Who before, right? You got those two... two uh, um, things in front of you and it's a, a, a myriad of people and you're supposed to ask them, does your person have brown hair, right? And they're like, no, and you flip them down and different things like that. There's a blue one and a red one. And I said, it's like, guess who here? If, if, if scripture, for example, were to say, daddy and I played guess who, daddy lost. It would be, a, it would be one thing to say, to add to it, Daddy was using the blue one, and, and I was using the red one, and it happened yesterday at 7 p.m. See, we've just added details that don't change the narrative whatsoever. I lost, right? It would be a whole nother thing to add a new teaching that is forever, forevermore there is a new rule. Daddy never loses. <laughs> Doesn't matter how you play the game, I never lose forevermore. She'd probably go, ah, I quit this thing, right? And so there's a very different thing of adding a new doctrine versus imagining yourself on the streets of Jesus and, and seeing a dirty robe or seeing an ostracized tax collector or understanding Jesus meeting me in my house and what that might feel like. I never realized I might resonate with Mary's thoughts. And today, um, I, I, we're going to lean into episode two of the series. Now, episode two is all about uh, the Shabbat. If you haven't watched it, um, then you could watch it afterward, but let me describe that. Shabbat is a really fancy um, Jewish term for what we would call Sabbath. It's, it's the day that they come together and they rest and they worship God together. In fact, our word Sabbath comes from the root word Sabbat. And as they pronounced it in the Jewish culture, we Sabbat together. And so it means intermission. Have you ever been to a play before or a dance recital that was really long and you're thinking, oh my goodness, I just need a break. I need to hit the restroom. I need to maybe refresh my drink, get a popcorn, talk to a few people before I sit back down again and catch my second win for the next act, right? In the same way, that's what Sabbath is supposed to do. It's supposed to break up our week and give you one of those just rest and regroup. Just refresh and be with God and be with people. There's even a little bit of communing in the lobby before you go into the second part of the play, right? And in our lives, we need an intermission. We need a Sabbath. We need a regular pause that causes us to break from the, the grind and spend some time with people and each other and God. Now, um, God instituted it in Genesis chapter 2. Let me make it very clear. Our God does not need rest, yet he creates the heavens and the earth. He creates the land and the seas. He creates the animals, men and females, and he rests on the seventh day. And so it's not that he needed a break. It's not that he needed a rest. He needed us to see, if you look up to me, I know you're going to need a rest. And so let me exemplify a pattern that you need to have. On the seventh day, he rested. Interesting fact is, uh, God's seventh day when he rested was man's first day. Man was created on the sixth day. So what does man get to do the very next day? God, what are we going to do today? He says, rest. On the first day, on your first day, 
rest. Just hang out with me. Just commune with me in the garden. Work will be there for us tomorrow. Just rest. Just commune with me, right? And so then he commands it in the Ten Commandments, and he says, you shall keep the Sabbath holy. You shall keep one day honorable to my name, and you must do this. And, and, and all throughout the Old Testament, Nehemiah, Jeremiah, uh, Isaiah, these are all scri- uh, uh, books that affirm the Sabbath. And when the people of God disregarded the Sabbath, things started going bad for them. And we are so busy in our culture today, we get so frequently uh, passing up Sabbath, right? We, we don't like this message as much because there's more work to be done and there's more production and there's more increase and more opportunity. And God says, I know that your ambitions will get in the way and that's why I'm instituting a pattern of rest. You got to stop and rest. So it accomplishes three things really. Number one, it accomplishes worship, a, a devotion to God, a paying attention to God. Stop the grind and get God on your mind, right? A lot of us don't mean to lose perspective on God. It's not because we're sinners or, or, or evildoers looking to go out there and spit uh, you know, towards heaven. But w- we, we unintentionally get busy with the day and we, we can lose focus on God. Let me give you an example. Have you ever said, I'm going to read my Bible every single day? from now on how'd that one go right what happens is we're like i'm gonna start my day with god in mind oh this is gonna be real good oh oh there's an email oh man i meant to respond to this yesterday okay cool 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 all right yeah 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 i got this all right let's spend some time with god in mind what was the score last night i wonder who's gonna win they're gonna ask me what the score okay i took care of that score and and somebody's texting me okay no problem here let's spend some time with god i need some coffee if i'm gonna spend some time with god this early in the morning <laughs> brew me a cup of coffee come back okay this is gonna be good next thing you know oh they need me in it's time to go right It's not because we're trying to ignore God, but isn't it true that we have difficulty stopping and being with God? It achieves achieves worship. It achieves rest. And and today I'm not going to focus on Sabbath as rest. In fact, I'll point you to a message I preached two years ago on June 30th. Go to our website on our archives or our podcasts. And our archives go to June 30th on a message I called, Give It a Rest. And I talk more about the Sabbath from the rest perspective. But today I want to talk about Sabbath, the third thing it does for you. It gives you community. Sabbath or Shabbat causes people to come together. Let's watch how they depict it in um, early years B.C. in the Chosen series. Watch this. And if you think I'll fall for that, Eli, you must think I was born yesterday. Was there a Shabbat when you were little? Of course, since the time of the covenant. Every seven days. Why so many sometimes? Shabbat is a time for rest and time to honor three things. Family, our people, and God. Family like Safta and Sabah? Yes, and you, Ima and Abba, of course. Close friends are like family, too. Who else? We honor our fellow citizens on Shabbat. Strangers after? We are all God's people. Even friends we haven't met. But most important of all, we honor God in all his works. We rest because he rested on the seventh day. We rest to refresh our soul to know him better. 
and seek them. So this is a picture of what it might have looked like in 948 B.C., but it actually, Shabbat is something that was taught, Sabbathing was something taught way before that in the year, um, in the 15th century B.C., in the book of Exodus, when God taught man, you got to slow down and you got to rest. And I like what she just talked about, that when we choose the Sabbath, we're connecting in with our antiquity. We're connecting in with our Christian brothers and sisters from history's past whenever we realize that when we stop on a Sunday and we worship, we're spending time with God the same way God's people were doing all the way back in the book of Exodus. And there's something powerful about that because in our day and age, it can be really easy to think about us here and now. And we might think, man, this might be difficult, yet they've been doing for years past even... Um, uh, even 3,467 years ago. And, and the, the depiction of the woman teaching her Jewish child what uh, uh, Shabbat looked like is something that we couldn't do today. We teach our children that we're going to honor God on His day. Every seventh day, we're going to give Him honor and praise, and we're going to come together as a community. And she said, we, we rest, but then we do three things. She said, we, we focus on our family, our people, and our God. And all three of those is, in essence, communing. We need to stop and we need to put our devices down. We need to put our schedules down. We need to put our anxieties down. We need to look at each other in the eyes again. We need to look at God in the eyes again. And we just need to Sabbath. The work will be there tomorrow. The task will still be there. <laughs> if you want, we could, we could resume the worries tomorrow, for tomorrow will have its worries of its own. Right now, I'm just going to spend time with God. I'm going to spend time with God's people, and I'm going to spend time with my family. Now, some might ask, why did uh, they Shabbated or they Sabbathed on the seventh day? In, in other words, um, it would have been more like a Saturday. In fact, the Jewish culture from sundown on Friday will start Sabbathing until sundown on Saturday. It's a 24-hour period. And when I heard that, I had to kind of go, hmm. Right? Because isn't it sometimes so difficult to take 75 minutes on a Sunday morning and rest from our devices and our schedules and our work? I know. I'm stepping on, my, I'm stepping on a lot of people's toes right now. And, and there are times where I'm like, 24 hours they gave to the Lord. And, and you might say, well, then why don't we worship on Saturday? Well, there's many reasons for that. One of which is that um, Jesus, uh, he was resurrected on the day after uh, Sabbath. So it would have been like a Sunday, a resurrection day. And so the, the Acts or the New Testament church often worships on a Sunday. But I'm here to say it doesn't really matter what day you Sabbath. It matters that you do. 
right? Um, in fact, a lot of Sundays can be like work to me. And so I might take a, a Friday and just kind of rest and be with my family, be with God, be with the scriptures, and just rest from the work. See, tell somebody you need community. Tell your neighbor right now, you need community. And if, and if you don't have anyone else to tell, tell yourself, you need community. Community is one of the things God requires, and it was an essential element of Shabbat. They didn't Sabbath by themselves. They came together in houses, and they spent time with their family and with one another to be in community together. It was a regular pattern, and God knew we'd struggle. So he said, I get it. Human beings have ambitions. I put that drive in you. That's why I'm going to force you to Shabbat. I'm going to force you to Sabbath one day a week and it will be for your good. When's the last time you put your phone down for more than two hours? When's the last time you put your schedule aside? When's the last time you cease to check your email or social media for eight whole hours? We have such difficulty Sabbathing. We're like, yeah, I'm here. Hey, what's up, Christy? It's so, it's so good to see you. Yeah, and, and that's awesome. Cool, cool. Yeah, and I'm checking the score over here. How's your family? Oh, 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 okay. oh big play. Everything's good? Okay, so everything's good at work. Yeah, no problem. Glad we connected, right? We're so used to that, right? And so Gus said, I get it. You're going to be a distracted society. You're going to have ambitions in life. It's not because you're bad people, but you will have a difficulty, and you've got to Sabbath, slow down, rest, look people in the eyes, look God in the eyes. Exodus 16 is one of the first Sabbath that man is, uh, is given to deal with. The, the Israelites are hungry, frustrated, um, tired. They're weary. They've just been delivered from Egypt. Now they're wandering around in a desert and they're complaining. We don't have enough food. Uh, we're so tired. We're so anxious. We're so depressed. We're so worried. We're so full of fear. Can you relate? If you can relate today, then what's God's answer? God said, I tell you what, I'm going to start providing for you manna from heaven. I'm going to provide it for you six days a week, but I am going to force a pattern upon you that on the seventh day, you're just going to stop working and you're just going to be. Stop doing and be. Right? We, as Americans, we love to do, right? If I came up to you and I said, hey, who are you? You'd probably tell me what you do. I'm a doctor. I'm a, I'm a lawyer. I'm a teacher. Uh, I'm a parent, right? Th there's a lot of doing involved in your answers. Sometimes we just need to be. Stop and be. And, 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 and he says, I'm going to force a break upon you from your work. In fact, in Exodus 16, the, the people came to him and they said, okay, so we're going to go out and get manna on six days, but on the sixth day, we got to get twice as much. How come? And it says this in verse 23, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow will be a day of complete rest, a holy Sabbath day set apart to the Lord. Take a nap in Jesus' name. <laughs> the message is actually clear stop going to work like that would have been work to go out and collect manna so that I put food on the table for my family that's the same thing we do today I gotta leave so I can go get the money so I can put food on the table for my family and he said stop going to work take a break just be with me be with me be with one another 
be with the fellowship of the saints. And it says that, of course, our ambitions often attempt to circumvent God, and we think we could take shortcuts, or I don't need that, or I could do without it. And it says this in verse 27, some of the people went out anyway, said, aha, I'm going to get ahead, right? When everybody else is resting, I'm going to go out, and I'm going to get ahead. And on the seventh day, they went out, but they found no food. It is futile to think you have to spend seven days a week on social media or you miss something. It's futile to think you have to watch every single news broadcast or you'll miss something. It's futile to think you've got to work seven days a week or you got... God is saying, stop. It is more beneficial for you to be with me and to be encouraged by one another than it is for you to go to work one more day. Our ambitions often attempt to circumvent them. And it says, the Lord asked Moses, how long are these people going to refuse to obey my commands and instructions? I didn't need rest, but I modeled it. I commanded it put very clearly in the Ten Commandments. What's it going to take? In verse 29, they must realize that Sabbath isn't a rule. It's the Lord's gift to you. Come on, he's not trying to implement a rule. This isn't about perfect attendance. This is about the refreshing of your soul. This is about the lifting of your head. God's trying to say, I'm trying to hook you up. But you're so busy listening to how to hook yourself up if you make your wallet thicker, your, 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 your friend account larger, you get your likes up, and then this happens, and this happens. It's, a, it's like, man, just be with me. Just be with me. I want to... I said this, tell your neighbor that Shabbat is a gift to you, but more importantly, tell your neighbor Shabbat Shalom. That's what they say in episode two all the time. It meant the peace, Shalom. The peace that comes with the Sabbath be upon you. Shabbat Shalom. Come on, I want to show you uh, one of our dream teamers, one of our members of our church, who shared how community began to change her life when she began to find a place in God's house. Go ahead and watch this. I always knew there was a call on my life, but it was in my early 20s that I truly felt the call on my life. But no matter where I looked, it seemed like I couldn't really find a home or a school, a place where I could continue to grow in the Lord. And I feel like that's where my life started to go downhill. It's like I lost confidence. 2019, but especially towards the end of the summer of 2019, that was a pretty dark time in my life. I feel like I maybe let the labels that the doctors had placed over my life just completely take over. For instance, I had always been a reader, but during that time I couldn't concentrate on finishing a single page, let alone a whole book, and I'd just be like, whatever, that's just my ADD. Or I'm walking around without any type of joy, just angry, mad at the world, and I'm like, whatever, that's just who I am. I have depression and anxiety. Um, it was during this time, the end of the summer, that I felt that that marquee out in front of Regal really started to like scream at me. So finally I was like, okay, whatever, and I'll give it a try. I could definitely use a lift. So from the first time that the kids and I stepped foot into lift, all we felt was just pure love and the presence of God. It was incredible. It felt like home. We never wanted to leave and we couldn't wait until it was time to come back. So like as a single mom, all I ever wanted was a safe and loving community for my children and I to grow with and in. And I definitely feel like we felt that at Lyft. 
Sitting under the anointed leadership here at Lyft has been incredible. Um, but then when small group signups came around, I was like, wait, there's more? For sure, yeah, I'll sign up. So I signed up and I joined the Freedom Group. And that was, the Freedom Group was like my rock and it was like everything took off from there. There was so much love, so much understanding, so much truth. And all I wanted was more. I wanted more of him and less of me. So I felt myself continually growing and I felt good. I felt light for the first time in a very long time. But when I looked at my children, that's when I knew it was real because they were growing as well. They felt loved, they felt included, they were excited. Our youth ministry and leaders are absolutely incredible. And my, to see the growth in my children is just everything to me. So just like Rick Warren says, a church isn't something you go to, it's a family you belong in. And I definitely feel that we found that here at Lyft. Come on, well, y'all give that up, give it up for Tiara. We're so grateful for her sharing her testimony. And we love having um, Devin and Ariel, a part of our ministry here. They are difference makers. But did you hear the power of community? It went from isolation to community. And I want to share with you, as we, fo as we finish talking about Sabbath as community, um, three things that community provides for us. If you're taking notes, I want you to write these down. Three things community gives us. Community gives us, number one, motivation. The New Testament says, take, take a firm new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. And, and when we come together and when we're in community, there is a motivation factor that keeps me on the path I need to be on and keeps me in a healthy place. Another one of our dream teamers, her name's Cheryl, um, and she's loved around here. She has um, elderly parents, and her mom is dealing with health issues where she's in the hospital, and now her dad is, is by himself, and he needs care because he can't be by himself. And so her and her sister have been working overtime to, after work to be done to take care of her, her family and to do the best they can to love on them and carry them through this season. Anybody who's been caring for an elderly parent or grandparent knows the tax and toil that that can play on your lives and my wife and I've been lifting her up in prayer and encouraging her as often as we can multiple times a week and she wrote this back in a recent text she said a lot of people from Lyft have been texting her and I can feel the prayers in fact she texted this and I asked if I could share it and she said I could thank you all so much I don't think I could have managed this without the prayers and support of my church family I love you guys so much. It's as simple as that. Community provides motivation. It's the fresh breath. I can keep going. I got strength for another day. And I, 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 I barely made it through the six days of the grind, but it is Sabbath time. And I'm going to be with community. I'm going to be with each other, and I'm going to be with God. And he's going to be a refresher of my soul, the lifter of my head. Number two, he gives you motivation. Uh, community gives you motivation, and community gives you inspiration have you ever just been tired before 
and then you heard the testimony of someone else? Or you ever been believing for something big and it seems in waiting and you're like, what do I do in the waiting? And then you hear someone else's testimony and it inspires your soul. It's almost like, come on, if he did it for them, he could do it for me. I just need to, I just need to hold on and just continue to believe. Look at how good our God is and he's still on the throne, still working miracles. God's got me. I can trust him. I want to tell you one testimony to try to inspire you. It's, it's, it's wrapped in the midst of a little bit of um, bad news. But in our first experience, um, uh, uh, some members of Halo have started coming, and they've become a member of our church. If you're unfamiliar with Halo, it's a homeless shelter in our area. And the, these two homeless men have um, uh, started bringing as many that will fit in their van and coming on Sunday mornings. And they fellowship with us sitting in this area every single week. Now, one of them's in a wheelchair, and the other one's a little quieter in the background. His name's Bill. And I, I leaned into Bill one time, and I said, how are you doing, Bill? It's great to see you again. And he said, I need to tell you something. For 40 years, I hated church. I ran from church, and I didn't want any part of church until I found this place. And, and I want to tell you, for the last 14 weeks, they have come every single week, and I have watched God transform his life. He tells his buddy Chris that he never wants to miss a week. One time they couldn't get here, he got online and watched with us live. I think that's amazing. Now, I told you there's a little bit of bad news that on Tuesday I learned that when Chris and Bill were together, Bill must have suffered from a heart attack or something of a similar nature, and he passed away this past Tuesday. And I, I got to speak with Chris, and while Chris is hurting a time, um, the thing that was very clear to he and I is that God was transforming his life, and he had a desire to commune with the saints and to worship God and to lift up the songs that were being sung. And so we're, we're hosting a celebration of life for them today at 2 o'clock. He had two daughters, one in Pennsylvania, one in L.A., and they, are, they have come in town, and I got to speak to them, and she said, I don't know what y'all did over there at Lift Church, but I want to tell you that for most of my life, they're just young, they just graduated from college, she said, most of my life, my dad was not a good dad. But the last four years, God has transformed him and given me the dad I always hoped for. And I talk to him every single day. And the last, the last, last few weeks, he would just talk about Lift Church a lot and talked about Jesus. Come on. Does that not warm your heart a little bit and inspire you? If I'm in the waiting, I can believe God is doing some amazing things. And so I need to continue to Sabbath. In fact, write this down. Without Sabbath, the soul will. But with Sabbath, the soul thrives. Come on, the soul comes alive when we spend time communing with God and communing with God's people. And then number three is he gives us motivation, inspiration, and finally reorientation. Like I said, we don't intentionally mean to get off course, but without Sabbath, we can get off course and we can miss it and not even realize how off course we are. Any of y'all set your GPS and forgot about it a little bit? Come on. Isn't it nice to have the maps on our phones and in our, in our cars and stuff? And I've been uh, guilty of setting it and forgetting it, cranking up the jams or getting lost in conversation or maybe even taking a phone call. Next thing you know, you passed up your next turn. 
turn by, by five miles and the next uh, uh, exit to the interstate is 15 miles later and you're like, awesome. <laughs> I didn't mean to get off course, but somewhere in my busyness, in my communication, in my day-to-day, I got off course. We need to have reorientation and get back on course. A time to stop and see, am I still where I'm supposed to be? Okay, yeah, that week was heavy, and it brought out some bad things in my, in my personality. Okay, it's time to reorient myself. Okay, yeah, 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 I was missing my family this week. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, I need to pick it up over here. And I reorient myself in the presence of God. Come on. One Jewish philosopher said this, more than the Jewish people have kept the Shabbat, the Shabbat have kept the Jewish people. Like just being in the practice of once a week, I'm going to give it to God. It keeps me from, from wandering. And, and Jesus taught in Matthew 7, 14, that the gateway to life, the gateway to heaven is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few people ever find it. And if the road is that narrow, don't we need some people in our lives that help us reorient ourselves? Come on, there's a a narrow exit off this stage. It's these two steps. And I would hope that there's some people in this place who love me enough that if I start wandering this way, they'd say, they'd run up here and go, oh, Pastor, this way, this way. No one wants to see you fall, right? Right? In the same way, we need people doing that spiritually. Oh, come on, I've seen you on edge lately. You've had way too much, way too much of that what's going on? And, and let's do some reorientation so we find the narrow way to life in God's, in God's household of heaven. Community with people reorients us, like our small groups do the same thing. Our dream team does the same thing. The people sitting in your row do the same thing when you get to see them every week. And you're just like, how was it? We prayed last week. How are you this week? Hey, I didn't see you last week. How are you? You doing okay? Come on, those things matter because it reorients us. And also community with God reorients us. I told Mary and our worship team, I love what we're doing here with good sound and good band and good music and good lights because I remember being like Bill who said, I don't really want anything to do with church, but I think God's important. And God attracted me to the church because of, oh, wow, this is inspiring. This is fun. This is motivating. This is cool. This is cool. I want to be a part of it. I can invite my friends to this. and It was no shame. But I told Mary, I want to have a moment this this past worship set where we just basically turn off all the media and just say, turn our eyes upon Jesus and just look full in his wonderful face because all the things of earth will start to grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Don't we need to just Sabbath and just commune with God sometimes? And you go, there you are, God. It's going to be all right. Let's go. So in closing, Sabbath, it it provides motivation, inspiration, reorientation. Basically, it provides belonging. It provides community. It provides family. Psalm 68.6 says, God places lonely people in families, and God wants us to commune. So I I, want to finish by watching one more clip from The Chosen, Um, and, and, and it's cool to see how different people Sabbath in different ways. Watch this clip. Mary, I'm honored to be here. Why don't you begin? Oh, no, I I couldn't now that you are here. You must. Thank you, but this is your home. 
and I would love for you to do it. Now the heavens and the earth were completed and all their hosts. And God completed on the seventh day his work that he did. And God abstained on the seventh day from all the work he did. And then God blessed the seventh day and he hallowed it. For thereon he abstained from all the work that God created to do. Blessed are you, Lord our God, ruler of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. You have lovingly and willingly given us You have lovingly and willingly given us your Shabbat as an inheritance in memory of creation. Because this is the first day of our holy assemblies in memory of the exodus from Egypt. Blessed are you, Lord our God. Because it shows Jesus in the midst of a Sabbath. Now, if you want to check out The Chosen, they have a deep dive that goes further into explanation. They actually interview a priest uh, Jewish rabbi and an evangelical pa uh, professor, and and so they ask him, "Are we scripturally accurate? Have we gotten off? Have we have we gotten anything wrong?" And it's really insightful if you ever want to check that stuff out. Um, I, I really enjoy that. One of the things they asked the Jewish rabbi, is it likely, because this is not recorded in Scripture, that Jesus went to Mary's house and they Sabbath together, but it is, it, it, it is, it is of Jesus' nature to be with the people. Be with people like you and I. Meet us right where we're at. And they asked the Jewish rabbi, is it likely that Mary would lead the Shabbat especially in light of uh, men and, and Jesus being there. And they said, no, not likely at all, but I do like the heart that Jesus was for people. Here's what, here's, here's what I really liked about that, that moment, is that right before that, that prayer, they depict Mary opening the door to a knock at her door, and she opens it startled to see Jesus came to my house. And she says... I didn't think you would um, come to my house. Of all the places to Sabbath, of all the places to be, I thought for sure you'd be in the temple. He spent a lot of time in the temple as a kid. But you know where he spent a lot of time? As an adult? Right here with you and I. The cares and concerns of the world. And what I like about the nature they depicted about Jesus saying that Mary could lead it is Mary, uh, as you saw last week in The Chosen, was brand new to coming back to the faith. And so she was rusty and she was fumbling over her words. I need to read on this paper. Are you sure you don't want to lead it? And, and Jesus says, no, I would really like it if you do it. And what I like about that is Jesus is not interested in our perfection. He's not interested in you getting it perfectly right as much as he's interested in your heart to go towards him. Like, I don't know if I'm getting this prayer right or not. Forget the script. Just start talking. I like it. 
I like it. It doesn't matter if you're fumbling over your words in prayer. It doesn't, mean if, it doesn't matter if you're fumbling over your, your life a little bit as you try to journey to be with Jesus. He's saying, I just like it when you're go, having a go. See, I remember thinking I needed to be perfectly polished before Jesus would sit at my table. And nothing could be further from the truth. Scripture shows it, and he depicted it well there. That he says, very happy with my choice today. You go ahead. Oh, you might fumble through, but there's grace. I eagerly desire to commune with you. You don't have to be perfectly polished. I don't know if I have the right shoes to come to church. I hope you don't feel that way here. I don't know if I know the right worship songs. I don't know if I know enough scripture. And I definitely need to do better throughout the week so that hell won't burn me up the moment I walk in there. No, 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 no. I feel like right now, Jesus is knocking on some of our lives. Here's what Revelations 3.20 says as we finish. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. I will come into him and dine with him. And he will dine with me. Right now, Father, I pray for everybody whose hearts you're knocking on right now. Oh, there's a thumping on the inside that we know it's time to let you in. And so, Father, I pray, as you did in my life all the way back in 2002, when I just I cracked the door open wondering, I didn't think you'd come to me, a sinner, someone who's screwed up, someone who's got a lot to repent of, and yet you showed up and you said, repentance, it's already covered for. Jesus died on the cross. I am here to be with you. Father, in this place, if anyone is... Hearing the knock, I pray they open their door right now to you and let you in. Come on, if you're in this place with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you say, Pastor Drew, I want to open that door, but I just don't know. There's shame. There's some stuff I got to get right. I don't know if I know how to do this right. Take, take hope from what you just saw. Jesus just wants to be with He'll do the perfecting, not you. All you got to do is let him in. If you're in this place, you say, Pastor Drew, I want to answer the door today and let him into my life. Would you real quick just slip your hand as high as you can in the air and say, that's me, Pastor Drew. Include me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God. If you're online, you say, that's me. Come on, would you just say, include me in this prayer? Or click the button on our website that says, I have decided. And all together as a church, we're going to pray together a prayer, especially those who've made a decision today to let Jesus in your life. Come on, Lift Church, let's pray. Jesus, I am a sinner. I have made mistakes. I have fallen short of the standard you have for me. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean again. Thank you for your son, Jesus, dying on the cross for me so that I can be free. You are washing away my past, and I am a new person starting today. Help me live for you and give you glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said...